Exodus chapter 3, and uh, I want to bring to you the thought tonight of no excuses. No excuses. And we're going to look at a pretty good story here of uh, Moses. And uh, as I was studying this, there's it's pretty powerful stuff that, that comes to my mind here when you think about Moses. A lot of good things, a lot of bad things. Things that you can learn from that to do and things you can learn from not to do. And so here with Moses, this is going to be one tonight that we're going to try to take a look at him and uh, look at something that we're not supposed to do. I oftentimes wonder, um, you know, in heaven if they look down on us and think, man, was I that bad? I'm talking about Moses. Moses in there. Man, why are you representing me like that? I wasn't that bad. It wasn't that, that much. So I'm going to try to give you a clear representation tonight of, of Moses here. But Exodus 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 10. And it says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. And thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I came unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is the, my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. I'm going to bring you the thought, no excuses. Dear Lord, we thank you for this night. Lord, we thank you for Lord, the privilege to come here and, and study your word. And God, I thank you for the opportunity to come up here and proclaim your word tonight. Lord, help us as we study, uh, Lord, to take something and apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything you've done for us in your name. Amen. I look at this scripture and um, was reading through, and isn't it funny how you, how you go through scripture and there's different things that just hit you in the head. They hit you, you read scripture, you read your devotions, and it goes through and just knocks you right in the face. So before I even get started, I want to tell you that this message has already dealt with me more than I, than I even knew how to handle. So when I was coming through and preparing this, I was thinking, man, this is a lot of stuff that I need to apply to my own life. So I'm and everything that I say, I am working on in my own life. And so I want to encourage you to, to do that same way. Why is it in our life, and I want to ask you a bunch of questions, so be thinking. Why is it in our life that we can offer a ton of excuses when it comes to things of church that would be ridiculous if we offered them anywhere else? You say, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. If you go to a baseball game... And you were there, and this is something why uh, I, I read that I came up with this this thing. I saw or I, I saw this, and it said, "Have you ever wondered what would happen if people were as intense and committed and determined about church as they are about sports?" Now I love sports. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about sports. My team lost last night in the final four. I was all about it. I was yelling at my phone all night long. I was ticked. The Gators, just so you guys know. Gators are my team. Yeah, I know. There it is. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. 
Me and Joe get along really good on staff. He's a Florida State fan. I'm a Florida Gator fan. We have a good time. But I love sports. I'm all about sports. But I was, I was reading through this, and if people were as committed to church as they were about sports or any other pastime, here's a few reasons why people might quit going to sporting events. Every time I go, they ask me for money. The people with whom I had to sit with didn't seem very friendly. The seats were too hard and uncomfortable. The coach never came to see me. The coach made a decision with which I do not agree with. I was sitting with some hypocrites, and they only came to see what others were wearing. Some games went into overtime, and I was late getting home. That never seems to be a problem when we're watching sports if we get home late. The band played numbers that I had never heard before. The games were scheduled when I wanted to do other things. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Since I read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coaches know anyway. I don't want, my, I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. It's kind of funny, isn't it? But if you flip a lot of those around, we do that same thing in church. We do those same things. Oh my, where did the ball game on? It's time to get home. Pastor went to 1220. It's time lunch is done kicked in. Everybody's already beat us to lunch. We're going to get leftovers at Golden Corral. We ain't going to make it in time. Whatever it is, and we make up excuse after excuse after excuse for serving the Lord. I want to read to you in, over in uh, Exodus chapter number 4 and verses uh, 1 through 17. I'll start off. And it said, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Go ahead and flip over to Exodus 4, and we'll be there uh, for the remainder of the time. But I, I've read some different quotes, and these are not anything that I came up with, but some different things that stuck out in my mind that if you're taking notes, I want you to write down. Excuses are something that um, hinder a lot of things for the work of the Lord. They're things that get in the way. They're, they're things that mess up uh, everything that God is trying to do. And I read this quote, and it stuck down uh, in my head pretty good. Excuses are the nails that build a house of failure. Excuses are the nails that build a house of failure. In Exodus chapter 3, uh, an intimate relationship between God and Moses begins as God confronts Moses with a, a mission, if you want to call it that. Uh, God confronts him and comes to him and says, Moses, I got something that I want you to do. And so we read here in the scripture that Moses uh, he didn't come off and say, yeah, I'll do whatever it is. I'll, I'll go off. I'll, whatever you want me to do, I'll do that. No, he didn't say that. He didn't have valiant courage. He wasn't brave. He didn't do any of those things. But we see that he did offer a bunch of excuses for not doing what God wanted him to do. This intimate relationship began with excuses. And it began with excuses that we see need to be replaced with actions. And so if you're going to live a life that is pleasing unto God, you have to put excuses over here and follow God this way. You have to put everything that's going to hinder you from serving God and the things that are going to get in your way and the things that you're going to say, the things that are going to get in your path to mess you up from following God. You have to put those aside. And so here when God called Moses, all he did was give excuses. And so I want to examine a few things tonight here. If you're taking notes, I'll give you some different things. That when God calls us to serve, we need to respond in a correct manner. When God asks us to do something, we need to respond correctly. How would you respond tonight 
If God came to you and said, listen, so-and-so, I have, a, I have something I want you to accomplish. I have something that I want you to do. It will be a part of my plan to redeem the world to myself. It will be, involve miracles and signs and wonders. It will involve the splitting of the Red Sea and the leading of a couple million people out of bondage into freedom. All whom you will lead, what would you say? What would your response be? Would you jump at the chance and, and say, absolutely, I, I'm your man? Or would you come up with excuses as to why you're not necessarily God's best choice? Moses wasted no time here in the scripture and said, whoa, God, <laughs> wait a second, I'm not your guy. Nah, not me. Don't, no, you got the wrong Moses. I'm not the guy that you're looking for. I, I don't need that. And he began to roll off excuse after excuse after excuse, all of which to me didn't really impress God because God knows our heart. God knew his heart. And we do the same. And here's our example of, of the top 10 most used excuses. Number one, I forgot. Number two, no one told me to go ahead. Number three, I didn't think it was that important. Number four, wait until the boss comes back and ask him. Number five, I didn't know you were in a hurry. Number six, that's the way we've always done it. Number seven, that's not in my department. Number eight, how was, how was I to know this was different? Number nine, I'm waiting for an okay. And number 10, that's his job, not mine. When you go through life and you look at the things that God is calling to do, what excuse do you have? What excuse do you have that you should be replacing with a, a faith-based action instead of an excuse? What is something that you should be doing that you know God has called you to do? You know that he's told you to do this. It's as clear as a nose on your face. He's told you to go this way. And you're saying, no. Oh, God, I don't know. I'm really busy. I don't have, oh, God, I can't, I don't have anything Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I have this. I have that. We have this. We have this. Whatever it is, what's the excuse? And we have to remember here that in Exodus chapter 3, we see that God tells Moses that he has heard the cry of Israel for deliverance. And that now he is ready to deliver them. But then, to surprise of Moses, in verse 10 it says, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So we're going to see today, tonight, that when God confronted Moses and, and he called and gave him this offer, a lot of excuses began to happen and a whole lot of not a service. A whole lot of not a, no, I'll go with it. A whole lot of excuses, not a lot of service. And that's something as, as Christians, as believers, that if you offer up more excuses than you are offering service, something's wrong. Something, something's not right. If you can't serve God, if you can't serve the risen king that we sing about, and as we celebrate Easter, it's just a big happy day where we eat chocolate bunnies, it's not a big deal to you, and you think that it's that, and you're offering excuse after excuse after excuse, you might want to check up on, on yourself. You might want to check up on what God is telling you to do, because God's instructions are as clear as can be. And when he tells you to do something, there's no worse place to be than not doing what God says. Ask Jonah. Go ask Jonah. Let me know how that goes for you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in the, in the belly of any whale for anytime soon. I don't want to do that. I don't want it to take that. I don't want to be the kind of Christian where God has to constantly beat me over the head and constantly say, you're not going the right way, you're not going the right way, get back on track. I want to listen to God's plan. I want to be so close to God that when he whispers to me in his still small voice, I'm right there to hear, yeah, I'll go that way. Yeah, I'll do that. Absolutely. God gave his whole entire life for us. The least I can give him is mine. That's the least I can do. 
Some sorry excuse for not doing God's work is never going to cut it. I'm afraid that someday we're going to get to heaven, and a lot of us are confused. We think that excuses are going to get us a crown in heaven. Uh, I don't think it works that way. I don't think one day God's going to say, hey, what excuses did you do not to mention my name? What excuses did you have not to invite somebody to Easter service? What excuses did you bring not to talk to somebody? And that's going to be burn up. That's going to be done. Wood, hay, and stubble. Now, all that stuff is nothing that we need. When we're asked to do something, it seems like the excuses start. We're asked to teach a class, excuses. We're asked to serve in the nursery, excuses. We're asked to share our faith with our friend, our neighbor, and the excuses start. We're made aware that someone is in need and we could help provide, and the excuses start. We're asked to do just about anything for the Lord, and our response is either, I'm too busy, I'm already doing something else, or I don't want to. That's our excuse. Sometimes our excuses pile up and get in the way of doing something great for God. I don't know about you, but I don't my excuses, the things that are what I want, the things that I want to do in my own life, my selfish desires to be built up in front of the things of God. I don't want that to happen with me. I was uh, reading a story, and this is, some of you might get this, some of you might not. Um, I was reading a story about excuses, and it said that uh, there was a number of, of GIs on a furlough that uh, were on a, going out, and they, and they wanted to go, you know, out on the town. And uh, the commanding officer was furious when the nine guys did not come back at the time. They didn't show back up until 7 that night. And so the first guy came in, and he said, I'm sorry, sir, the soldier explained. I, I had a date. I lost track of time. I missed the bus. Being determined to get in on time, I hired a cab. Halfway there, the cab broke down. I went to a farmhouse and persuaded the farmer to sell me a horse. I was riding the horse to the camp when the animal fell over and died. I walked the last 10 miles and just got here. And though skeptical, the colonel looked at the guy and he said, Okay, I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll let you go by this one time. Seven more guys came in and followed behind him and, and gave the same story. And he said, uh, what in the world? You guys, this is not true. You guys are, are lying. He gave the same story about the, the car breaking down, the cab this, the horse that. Everything went through. The last guy came, and the colonel said, uh, so what happened to you? And he said, I, I had a date. I missed the bus back. I hired a cab. And the colonel said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me get this right. You, you, uh, the cab broke down. And, and, the, and the guy said, no, sir, that's not what happened. And the soldier said, the cab didn't break down. I was just... Uh, it was just that there were so many dead horses in the road, we had trouble getting through. <laughs> I read that, and I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, excuses. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Sometimes our excuses hold us back from accomplishing great things for God. Moses had his reasons for not following the call of God. And so Moses begins with a series of, of five reasons that I want to go through tonight. Uh, to demonstrate sufficient weakness so as not to be responsible for the call which God had given him. And so number one here is the, the, the who me excuse. I look at that and I think of that whenever you were in high school, grade school, whatever you were in, and your teacher would, would call on you even though you didn't have your hand raised, and you're like, You know that one, that look everybody gives, the who, me, what? No, not me. That's the first excuse here that Moses gives. 
he says in, in verse 11, 11 and 12, it says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So here we read this story. We're going through. God says, I will be with you. I'm going to be there with you, Moses. Moses should have said, all right, here we go. We shouldn't even have to go through four more things. He should have said, yep, I'm gone. Let's do it. God's with me. Let's go. But he didn't. He said, who am I? (laughs) Me? What? No. The first excuse that he offers here is a kind of pitiful one. But see, if it does not sound like something you might say to God. God, me? No. There's 600 more people in the church that can do that. No, there's nobody else that's more qualified than that. There's somebody else that can do that. Not me. Verse 11 says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses probably remembers his earlier failures. And uh, Stephen relates this story in chapter 7 in the book of Acts. I'll read it. It says, And we, when he was fully 40 years old, it came in his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them out. At one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust, uh, thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me? As thou didst the Egyptian yesterday, then fled Moses, and is saying, and, I, and, was I, and was a stranger in the land of Median, where he begat two sons. When Moses tried this deliverance thing 40 years earlier, he was neither believed nor listened to. And so they look at Moses and say, why should we believe you now? Why would we believe you now? It's kind of what he's saying. And they said, but Moses had failed to realize is that the people of Israel and he himself were at a different spiritual place than they were 40 years earlier. Moses is terrified of being rejected and feeling like a failure. Don't we do that? When we go through our, our lives, as we try to serve the Lord, as we're doing different things, we mention up past failures that we may have done and think, God can't use me. There's no way God can use me. There's no way God can take this. And I've done too many bad things. I've done too many wrong. I've done, not done this right. I've not done that. And we try to let these past failures get in the way of serving God now. I want to tell you something tonight that's really encouraging. And we sing about it, or we'll be singing about it next week. Our past is redeemable. We have a redeemer. We have someone that when we do wrong, when things are are wrong and we mess up in our life, we can be cleansed from that sin. We have a way. We have a truth. We have a life. We have someone that can come and, and fix us when we're broken. And even though our past may be as jacked up as can be, God can come through and say, I can fix that. I can fix you. I'm the potter. You're the clay. I'll take you and I'll mold you and I'll make you brand, I'll make you a brand new vessel. And God says, listen, being, having things wrong in your past isn't going to keep you from, from serving me in the future. You can be redeemed from past failures. And Moses had, had failed to realize that. And we look at our past and we think our pasts are nothing that nothing can help us do anything for God. 
I read another, another quote, and this is not my own, but another quote that I, I read. Today's excuses are tomorrow's regrets dressed in disguise. It's a big one. Today's excuses are tomorrow's regrets dressed in disguise. Verse 12, God answers Moses and said, he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God upon this mountain. Moses' first excuse was expressed doubt in himself, and his second excuse here, unfortunately, is expressed doubt in God. Number two is by what authority? By what authority? In verse 13 it says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. God didn't ask Moses to go and explain all that he knew about God. God didn't ask Moses to go there and explain God to them. He didn't ask that. He didn't say, I want you to go tell them everything about me. You know what he said? He said, I want you to go and explain what you do know. I want you to go and explain the things that you do know about me. God says, I am that I am has sent you. And God told Moses, it doesn't have to do with who you are, but who I am. It doesn't have to do with us, but who our God is. When we go through and we go through life and we're doing things and we're, we're accomplishing things and we're trying to witness to somebody and tell somebody about Jesus, it's not about us. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do about God. Everything that we say, everything that we do, every song that we sing has nothing to do with us, but has everything to do with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the reason so many people are not committed to God? And I came up with this, and I was, I was going through and studying this, and I, I decided that the, the reason why so many people aren't committed to God is because they don't know God. They may say that they do. They may say that they know God. They may profess it with their mouth. There's many that say they know God. There's many that say that they're Christians, that they're believers. But they don't really know God. They sort of know about him. But like the Hebrews in Egypt, they've kind of lost track of, of who God is. They've kind of lost track of the, the powerful and mighty God that we have. It's sad to say, but when you lose the wonder of God, you lose a lot. I can name to you, name after name after name, person after person after person who has gotten saved, who was in church, who was doing good, and they lost the wonder of God. I can name to you person after person after person that got involved in a ministry, that loved that ministry, and they got their eyes off of God and lost the wonder of God. Can I tell you something tonight? When you get your eyes off of God, you get your eyes off of everything. When you lose focus of God, your focus for other things gets all discombobulated. When you get your eyes off of the things that God has for you, everything starts, starts coming up. It's all over the place. You don't know what's going on. It's kind of like a little kid who gets a new puppy, and they love it, you know, the first week. And they have to start taking it to the bathroom, start picking up, feeding it, 
You know what I'm talking about. Everybody's shaking their heads. Yeah. I loved it. We used to raise dogs when we were younger. We, we raised labs and beagles. And I loved having the puppies, but I didn't like having to do anything with them. After about a week, two weeks, it was fun. But then after that, it's like, okay, mom and dad, you take care of them now. <laughs> you know, you lost the, the wonder of that new puppy. You lost the new puppy effect. And a lot of times, I'm not trying to belittle God in any way. Please don't think that. But a lot of times, we, we do the same thing with God. We get saved. We're on fire for God. We love him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's kind of like, I can go do this instead of serve God. I mean, it's not a big deal. When you first get a new puppy, you're all about it. When you first get saved, you're all about it. You're ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. You're ready to go. But then you get later on in your life, and you're like, man, it's all right. It's not a big deal. I don't need to invite anybody to church for Easter. It's just another holiday. It's just another day. It's not going to rise or fall on me. No, it doesn't work that way. God is not some grandfather sitting in heaven watching our antics and turning his deaf ear to our language and the things that we may say and the things that we may do and closing his eyes and winking at our sin. God is the giver of life, and he is life. And when God tells Moses that I am that I am, he is literally saying, I am he who was and is and always shall be, and I will continue to be what I always have been. And Moses didn't didn't believe in that authority. He was like, that's not a big deal. Number three, we see the what ifs. The what ifs. Exodus 4.1 says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, or, or what if, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Here in our Bible, Moses' third excuse began with the words, uh, But behold, or, or what if. It's a hypothetical question he was asking God, and Moses' response was, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Can I tell you something? There's been many a time when I've been talking to somebody about Jesus, and they've asked me a question that I didn't know the answer to. They've asked me a question, been out knocking on doors or something, and I, I didn't know the answer to. I said, you know, it's a great question. How about you come to our church, and we'll have a Bible study, and we'll learn about it. And they get them to church. Get them to church. But there's times in our life where I don't know all the answers. I don't know everything. I don't have every answer to every problem, to every question that may go on. I'm not an expert on everything that has to do with the Bible. But if somebody were to ask me a question uh, that, I, that, I, that I know or that I don't know, that's not an excuse for not sharing my faith. That's not an excuse for not sharing Jesus with somebody else. Well, if somebody asked me, if they asked me that, you know, what are the, you know, this, 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 and this, and I don't know, what are they going to think about me? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And I want to encourage you today that what ifs are, are, are killers. What ifs are killers as a Christian. Well, what if they don't like me anymore if I tell them about Jesus? So, did everybody like Jesus? No. What if they don't talk to him anymore? Did everybody throng around when Jesus was came to, to speak? No. There was people that didn't like him. And so when we go through our Christian lives, what ifs are victory killers? They're, they're zeal quenchers. And excuses will always relegate us to second best. And Moses was so concerned about what might happen 
he didn't hear what God said would happen. Moses was so concerned about what might not happen, or what might happen, he didn't even hear what God said would happen. God gave Moses three things. First, we see in verses 2 through 4, that he turns his staff into a serpent and back into his staff again. And the Lord said unto him, what is, in, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and he became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it, just like me. Verse 4, and the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That's crazy. If that wasn't enough right there for Moses to believe and trust God, I don't know what is. If you were here with a stick in your hand and God said put it on the ground and it turned into a snake, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. And then God said pick it up and I'd look at him like, huh? <laughs> and I picked it up and it turned back into a stick. I'd do whatever he said to do. I'd be scared not to. He just turned a stick into a snake and turned it back into a stick. That's nuts. And Moses is sitting here like, so? Not a big deal. It's important when we see that God shows different things and and works in our life that we follow and trust him. God here used what Moses had. And I want to tell you something. God will never demand something from you that you don't have. God always uses what you have. God always will use what we have. He has never asked somebody to do something that they are not capable of doing. We will never know the full potential of what God, or of what can be done, until or unless we're willing to offer it to God. I don't know who said this, I tried looking it up, I was going to try to give him credit for this, but it said God is not looking for ability, he's looking for availability. He's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. You look at the story of, of, uh, of David. Was David the biggest guy out there? Nope. Was David the strongest guy out there? Nope. He, he was with sheep all day long. But God used him in great and mighty ways. He wasn't the best of ability. He didn't have the greatest of abilities. But he was available. He was available for, for God to use him. When God calls, a lot of times we are tempted to put our assets and abilities in one column and our limitations and liabilities in another to determine if we can indeed do what God has called us to do. Can I tell you something tonight? God's not interested in that. God's not interested in what we can and can't do. God can say, you can't do that? Watch this. Oh, boom. You, can't, you don't think you can do it? I'll make you do it. You don't think you have the ability? I'll give you the ability. You don't think that you have what it takes? I'll use what you have and make it into something greater and blow your mind. When you see God's command to Moses, it was very simple. He said, throw it down. That's simple. So he throws it down. Because of his obedience, it becomes a serpent. And now the Lord says, pick it up. And he picked it up and turned back into a stick. Next, Moses is given the signs of his hand being made leprous and then clean again. And the Lord said, furthermore unto him, put now thine hand in thy bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thine hand in thy bosom again. And he pulled out his hand again and plucked it out of his bosom. Behold, it was turned again his other flesh. He then later on in scripture had the ability to turn water into blood. 
And it shall come to pass, if thou wilt believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that thou wilt believe the voice of the latter sign. Verse 9. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, thou, that thou shalt take out of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood unto dry land. God has more than enough revealed himself to Moses and told uh, of his desires. That he was going to deliver the people. He promised success. He's given him three signs that the people will believe him. And despite all this, it still wasn't enough for Moses. I'm going to hurry. Last, last two. Excuse number four. But Lord, I don't speak well. I'm going to tell you a really funny story. And you're going to laugh. When I was in high school... I said, the last thing I will ever do is be a preacher. The last thing I'll ever do is speak to people on a weekly basis. The last thing I will do is stand up in front of people and talk. The last thing that I'll ever do is sing in front of a bunch of people. The last thing that I'll ever do is lead a choir. There's no way. The last thing that I'll ever do is do anything. When God says to him, Moses, I've done all these things. I've given you all these things. And Moses said, I don't speak well. I'm not eloquent. It's funny to me. I read this. Moses is really good at giving excuses. He's given excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. But God, I can't speak well. Dude, this guy's crazy. I don't speak well. I'm not eloquent of speech. I, I, I can't talk well. I stutter. And the Lord said to him, who hath made man's mouth? I love God. He's so cool. And the Lord said to him, who made your mouth? He said, who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Hath not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. It's so funny that you, that you read this scripture and, and God is giving him over and over and over and over all these things. And Moses still doesn't, doesn't go on. Acts 7.22 it kind of seems odd that in this scripture, Stephen indicated in Acts after uh, chapter 7, verse number 22, that Moses, in his 40 years of his life in Egypt, was a man of, of mighty words and deeds. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Acts seven twenty-two. That's crazy. So here, last thing. In verse 11, it says, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Hath not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Our, inadequ our inadequacies are, are not a problem for God. He made us the way we are. He made us uh, to do the things that we do. But if we do not make ourselves available for God's plan, then our lives cannot go forward. If we don't make ourselves available for what God would have us to do, our lives won't move forward. Last one, excuse number five. Has sinned someone else. Verses 13 through 17 it says, And he said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Verse 15, And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth. And with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. 
and he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be even, uh, he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God, and thou shalt take this rod in thine hand wherewith thou shalt do signs. No matter what signs or no signs, whether God promises to be with him or not, Moses doesn't want to go. And this last thing here was not based on, a, on any kind of reason. Moses just doesn't want to go. And you can see that by reading the scripture. He just does not want to go. And so Moses is here and just saying, you read the scripture, why did he not just tell God, no, I'm not doing it? You read verse 14, it says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. I want to put this last thing and I'm done. When you make excuses and when you do these things and, and, and come up with everything under the sun, why not to serve God? It angers God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever anger God. I don't want my life to cause him anger. I don't want to be that way. And the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he was, he was there. And he was not happy with what he was doing. Not only do excuses anger God, but they also discourage other believers around us. Not only do they do that, excuses force the few to carry out the weight of many, and Satan will use this as a wedge to bring division and discouragement. Have you ever stopped to realize the harm you are doing when you retreat in fear or when you make an excuse? God accommodates here Moses' lack of faith, but the compromise here was less than God's best. I want God's best for my life. I want God's best for, for your life. I want everybody to serve God. I want everybody to love God and, 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 and do everything that he calls them to do. I don't want the leftovers that, that God might give to somebody else. I, don't, I want the first. I want the best. I want whatever God has for me. I, I, want, I want to do that. And so we see here that Moses was God's man for the job, but he told Moses that his brother Aaron could go and could assist him. And so it was Aaron who led the children of Israel in making an idol while Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. And we see that all these things were going on and Aaron was there. And I want to tell you something, that God's perfect will is always better than his permissive will for your life. His perfect will is always better. There's things that we may do and go down a path that may not be on God's perfect will. And that's why it's so important to follow Jesus Christ. And when he tells you to go down a path, to go down that path and not make an excuse and not, not do something that he uh, just hasn't called you to do. And so Moses ultimately did ask the Lord and he went and lives were touched because of his obedience finally at the end. And under, uh, under Moses' command, the Israelites were, were released out of, the, out of bondage. When we walk in obedience, we too will, will touch the lives of those around us. And so I want to leave you with the final thought. It is a great deal easier to do that which God gives us to do, no matter how hard it is, than to face the responsibilities of not doing it. God simply wants to make you, or wants you to make yourself available as an instrument. When you think of this statement, God's reputation is, is on the line, not yours. He wants you to be used as a simple instrument for him. So I want to encourage you tonight that when God asks you to do something, don't be a Moses. Don't be a Moses. Don't be a Jonah. 
don't be, don't be that way. Do what God co- commands you to do. Don't make up some sorry excuse that one day you're going to get to heaven and you're gonna, God's going to show you this and you're going to be like, man, that was a sorry excuse. I wish I would have just done it. I wish I would have just followed the Lord. I wish I would have just done the things that he had me to do. Follow it. Follow God. No excuses. Don't make excuses. Follow him.